Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram or on social media at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So I've had the pleasure of eating at this restaurant now three times, actually. It's been awesome. Um, So I have with us today David Tianga with Urban Vegan Kitchen. Well, I've had the pleasure of eating at the Sister Kitchen. We're going to talk about the main one, the first one now, and then sort of get into the second one in another episode. But the food's been fantastic. I've had the burger the and the chicken sandwich twice. So I'm a big fan of, of all those mm-hmm. items. So uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show, and I appreciate what you're doing for your community and the venues that you've created. So let's talk about your story, David. Where did you grow up? How did you get the entrepreneurial bug, and, and why food? Okay. Um, yeah, I grew up in Queens um, by way of Ecuador. My parents were first generation. Uh, I'm first generation. They were from Ecuador. Um, I was born here in New York City in Queens. I lived in Ecuador for about um, eight years uh, with my grandmother. Um, And then I moved back, if that makes sense. I was born in Queens, went to Ecuador when I was like two, and then came back when I was like 10. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, food, I don't, you know, I kind of just kind of fell into it. I was actually uh, in film and tv and theater um in new york city i was was, was a writer for a while um and you know i I did okay um but obviously here in new york you know you always work and you're always hustling so i always worked in retail and then um when i was 18 19 years old um i started working at this juice bar um actually early 20s i started working at this juice bar and that's kind of when i fell in love with the whole vegan vegetarian health yoga thing um and yeah and then uh came back to it years later got the opportunity to work with um somebody who owned a bunch of vegan restaurants and um yeah the rest is history she helped me out to get the she was my partner in urban vegan kitchen and uh from there we we did roots so it's kind of in in a nutshell obviously there's a lot more in between but that's kind of yeah so when you were in, did you always have a curiosity about the restaurant business? I mean, you talk about reading, writing, um, film, mm-hmm. stuff like that, uh, TV. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, I mean, what, once you were in food, did it stick? Did you sort of transition in both? Because it's a big step to go from working in food and then opening your own restaurant, especially in New York City. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I... I don't know. You know, I kind of explore that myself sometimes because I'm going to be honest. I'm not like, can't say I was always like, oh my God, I like love food and I love like the the restaurant culture, let's say, you know, or um, things like that. Because I actually, the way we run the restaurant, sometimes it's kind of counter to what you would think the restaurant culture is. Um, Not necessarily because I'm against it, but more it's because like I wasn't really ever in that. Like I was in a lot of, I've worked in a lot of spaces that kind of went, um, more for culture and, um, energy than let's say 
uh, five-star service or really like uh, um, uh, cutting-edge food or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like the like the net that like that New York amazing restaurant culture. Like I was never really in that. I was very much in cultural spaces. Like the first this juice bar that I always talk about that was amazing. Um, was like it was that it was more of like a cultural hub than it was anything i mean we made juices but we were very very popular you know it was like 150 square foot space there was always people um you know all the movie stars all the all the musicians every anyone you you know you you know you 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 would know went through that juice bar it was super interesting it was in the middle of soho so it was in like in the middle of a lot of things um so it was like in the middle of like where all the um modeling agencies were and all the the hip art um uh you know art spaces were and everything so a lot of people came through there and the owner of that space was very much about energy he was a yoga teacher but he was also a new yorker um and he just loved music and art and everything and he just like basically created this happy space and it worked i mean we were you know banging and i mean it was like so always super busy and super popular and you know i took a lot from that experience when i decided to open up a restaurant because i got frustrated being in theater and being in film and everything because the, the the more i got into it and you know the more i got closer to the goal um i saw how little uh power you had really to do what you wanted, you know, like the closer you get, the more money people give you or the more people that want to produce you, the more that they have input and they change what you actually make. So when I had the opportunity to open up a restaurant, I was like, yo, I'm going to do like what I want. <laughs> like I'm going to be able to, it's hard work, but I'm going to be able to come in here, play whatever music I want, play whatever I want on the TV, put whatever I want on the menu. Um, and that kind of appealed to me. So you know, um, can't remember what the question was exactly, and I hope I answered. Well, you mentioned <laughs> hip hop culture. Talk to me a little bit mm -hmm. about that because it has a heavy influence on your restaurant. So you talked a little bit yeah. about it of your when you worked at the Juice Bar. I'm not sure if that was hip hop mm -hmm. or not, but you talked about music having oh, yeah, an influence. Yeah. But talk to me yeah. about the influence on you. Why does it mean so much to you? Why so much to integrate it into your restaurants? Um. Well. Uh. Yeah. I mean, hip hop culture. I mean, I'm from New York, so it's, you know, it's, it's hip hop culture is New York city culture. Right. So it's always growing. Like I said, I, I, I left New York and I came back when I was really young and it was hard for me to fit in, you know, but I was lucky enough to, to live in New York city in, in a great time when hip hop was really growing and you could really just grab onto it. And if you were on the street, and you were just hip to whatever was going on and you can like roll with it. Um, it gave you a, an amazing identity that you could connect with, with people. Um, so, you know, um, it's just something that's always been a part of my life. You know, in the juice bar that I worked in, we played anything. Like I said, our boss was, uh, he allowed us to play any music we want as long as we were happy and it wasn't offensive or anything like that. And, you know, back then the music was very much about culture and it was pretty positive for the most part. Um, so it kind of fit. Um, it was a very, you know, good natured um, and uh, also music that made you think, 
you know, so that that fit into what we were doing culturally at the juice bar. Um, so when, you know, I was coming up in the vegan world and I was working with this woman and I was helping her run her vegan restaurants um, and I became more uh, entrenched in that, um, I, you know, started realizing that like, wow, like this, you know, the whole vegan movement in general was, is so connected to hip hop. It's so very similar because it's a very big, like, fuck you to the system. You know, hip hop is all about like, I'm going to do like, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what's going on in the street. And I'm going to say, fuck you to the system. And veganism in many ways is, is, is very similar. It's like a way for us to kind of take control of our bodies and a way for us to take control of what we eat, which is, you know, at least to me, very important. Um, you know, I'm not going to eat what you tell me to eat. I'm going to, you know, eat what I want. And I'm going to eat what it, I feel is most nutritious to me, but also spiritually what's most nutritious for the earth and for the environment. Um, so that's how we connected it. But when I was helping her with these vegan restaurants, whatever, I, I noticed, I was like, there's no restaurant that's really like connecting these things. You know, like there's no, especially in New York City. I was like, I was going out. Uh, to all these vegan restaurants, but I was like, I never felt like I was home. I never felt like something was uh, a space for me from where I came from. Um, and I really started being like, wow, like at some point, the hip hop generation is going to grab onto this, uh, to this culture. It, you know, um, it's only a matter of time before they start understanding like, wow, like this is a way for us to also be quote unquote, like counterculture, right? Because Hip hop to me is very much like hippie culture as well, um, especially when I grew up in it in the 90s. Um, really looking for spirituality, looking for a, find a way for people to connect, um, and also to like find the truth about things, you know. Um, so it was important for me to create a space that was safe for people like me that wanted to. Um, experience the vegan culture right because uh let's say being black or latino or whatever eight ten years ago you would go into vegan spaces and you'd be a little like oh this is you know not for me or this is a little weird or you know and right away you'd be turned off you know you would just be like oh vegan's not for me so at least uh for someone like me it was important to create a safe space for at least you know certain type of people to be able to at least experience it not necessarily like when I'm all, you know, like turn them or whatever you want to call it, but at least for them to experience it and judge for themselves and to see that it's safe. You know, it's not, uh, it's not exclusive, let's say, you know? So I think we see now, you know, it's exploding in the hip hop culture. Um, so it's going to be bigger than ever, I think. Well, and I do agree. There's a resurgent going on for sure in hip hop culture and things like that. Graffiti, things, uh, skateboarding, like we're seeing a resurgence there for sure. So what, what do you mean by safe space and what are you hoping that by exposing people uh, to the different cultures and to the food um, and to hip hop, what are you hoping that your audience gains? Just an appreciation. Um, and when I say safe space, I mean a space where they feel comfortable, you know, um, 
one of the things that I'm most proud of is that if you ever go to our Carmine Street location in, in Manhattan, especially, um, somebody commented on this this weekend. It's like, it's all the people that go in there, such a cross like section of people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Like, um, you know, so all these people feel comfortable enough to go in there. You know, we could be playing, you know, uh, brand Nubian and, you know, there's like a 65 year old white woman there, like grooving to the music, you know, cause she feels like she can, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm pretty proud of that. You know what I mean? Or some, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, some 22 year old, uh, you know, black kid and he, and, you know, we're playing, you know, Leonard Skinner or something, right. Cause we play everything. We just play what's great. And that's, that's a, something about hip hop too, that I think people are starting to understand, but some people don't. It's not rap. Like hip hop is just what's cool. Whatever's good. That's what makes hip hop amazing. And hip hop generation, I feel like the greatest because we take what's great from anything. You could be anything. You could play any type of music. We recognize, Oh, that's cool. That's great. Like I'm with that, you know? Um, so when I mean safe space, I mean that like everyone is welcome. You know, we try to create a space where anyone can feel as long as you're cool. And as long as you're open, as long as, you know, you can sit with anyone, as long as everyone's cool, you're welcome, you know? So, um, yeah. And that's what I want kind of people to grab from our space is that like the vegan culture can actually be something, uh, a lot like weed, you know, I felt like this about weed when I was a kid and we smoked a lot of blunts, let's say, in the, in, in the park. I met so many people just like smoking weed because they would pass by and they could be anything from anywhere. And they, if they smoke weed, they'd be like, yo, can I get a hit? And they're like, sure. And you take a hit and you would talk to this person and you would find commonality in, hey, we both like to smoke weed. <laughs> so we hope that these spaces also is just a, you know, people could find a commonality of like, Oh, we both are interested in this. Not necessarily that you're both vegan, but both maybe one is person's vegan. The other one's trying it for the first time. That happens a lot. People go in there, they start talking to each other because it's not just food. You know, when you go to like an Italian spot, you pretty much know what the food is. You grew up with it. You know what it is. You know what you want. You know what the flavors are. A lot of people that walk into these vegan spots, like they don't know. It could be the first time or the third time or whatever. And they really are not, you know, too familiar with it. So it's an amazing time to connect with people. And just from that connection, you can start talking about other things, you know. Um, and that's what I mean in terms of it's not just food, it's culture, because it's a very, like, holistic thing. Like, the vegan culture is not just about food. It's also about compassion and that translates to like so many things you know um something i try to tell people when they come at me like oh vegans like animals more than people <laughs> it's like no i just think that we try to like say that you know sometimes it is hard for people to be compassionate with each other right but if you're compassionate with an animal it's going to be so much easier for you to be compassionate with people later on one so, i agree with that 100 percent yeah yeah so that's something that we try to like uh you know nurture in our spaces yeah so let's how did you like how did you develop the menu like this the actually let's go back for a second when you talked about being 
insecure and different coming back from America, uh, Ecuador, you were 12 years old, probably, or 10 years old, somewhere around there. What was mm-hmm. that like for you? Like you came back to the big city from being there. I don't know if you spoke English well or not, but what was that yeah. like immersing back as a kid? Because I don't think a lot of kids experience life in that way. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't easy. Um, I didn't speak English at all. I had to uh, learn. I learned a lot from like Sesame Street. And I took, you know, in public school, you you know, you have bilingual classes. So I had to be in the bilingual class. Um uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. I'll tell you, I, what I found, um, refuge it was in basketball. Um, the first time I touched the basketball, I loved it. I was actually pretty good at it from like the minute I started playing and I immersed myself in that. Um, and that's how I really started to become more, uh, secure in being in New York city because I loved sports and sports was a great way for me to like make friends. And, you know, like I said, I was lucky enough to be, I was pretty athletic. So, um, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, it wasn't easy, but you know, I think after, you know, after a while you figure it out, like I said, I was super lucky to be in Queens, the most diverse, one of the most diverse places in the world. Um, there was a lot of different people, right? So, even if you were different, you weren't that different, you know, <laughs> there was like everything, you know, Chinese, Irish, Italians, um, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, uh, black kids, you know, like we were all together. So, um, you know, I think in that way I was lucky. Um, but the language thing was a, a, a kind of a, I think the, the biggest barrier, but once I got over that, it was, you know, it was cool. And I got immersed into music, you know, love Motown and, um obviously and then hip-hop and you know back then when i was when i came back it was like breakdancing was the thing right so all my cousins would take the you know the cardboard boxes and dance out and you know on the street and that's where you went you, you like you went to the street that's where you learned my mom was working so i was just on the street with people um and like i said i felt like super super lucky to be growing up in this in this era where people were outside they were doing creative things right they were taking cardboard and dancing on it <laughs> you know like they didn't have anything so they took a boom box they would take a cardboard they start dancing on it some kids were playing handball some were playing basketball you know everything was going on around you you know so there was so much to do um so yeah what's your what's your favorite part about you know, compare what your favorite part is, was be, growing up, like having that experience in Ecuador as a kid, and then your favorite part about being in New York City, then the transition, because they're two, like I said, very different experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in Ecuador, what I loved was having my grandparents, and, you know, that was unconditional love. Um, you know, they didn't have to work or anything, so they took care of me 24-7. I grew up right on the beach, literally a block away from the beach, uh, so that was amazing. Um, it was great. You know, my mom was sending money from here down there. So, you know, we were financially secure down there. Uh, you know, my mom was working her ass off up here, but down there we were good. Um, and yeah, so, you know, when I left, I really missed it. Um, but again, I think what I really, when I finally found my footing in New York, what I really loved was honestly just walking around seeing so many things, seeing so many different people, 
you know, my earliest recollections are my neighbors. You know, my neighbor across the street was Chinese, this older Chinese man. And I remember always watching him building his garden in the front. And it was amazing. And he had these little streams running and, you know, like, and then, you know, my, like I said, my other neighbor was Irish and his father was a cop and, you know, he came from a different culture. So it was amazing to be able to connect with these people and learn so much. I was, um, I was blessed with having a curious mind. So as long as I was having those like uh, interactions, I was pretty, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty satisfied. So New York gave me that. Um, and then once I got old enough, I just started taking the train and I would love to go to different neighborhoods and experience different things and just seeing things. And it was so easy to get around. And so I think uh, the cultural aspect of New York is really what I love of it. Obviously, I mean, that's kind of what the restaurants are um, about is, you know, paying uh, homage to that, to, uh, you know, especially now, because it just seems like everything is so divisive and everybody's so divided. Like, I just really look back on my time in New York and being like, wow. I mean, obviously things were not, you know, nothing's perfect, but um, we were able, like, there's sometimes I tell people like, wow, like if I was doing the things, if I was a kid now trying to do the things that I did when I was a kid, then I would get crucified because um, like, let's say for like four or five years, I was into reggae, right? Like I was into reggae hard. I was a bike rider. I always rode my bike to this day. I ride my bike everywhere. Right. But back then all the bike messengers were Jamaican, you know, they were like, dudes from Jamaica, like they were mainly the, the, the bike messengers. And um, I became friends with them and I would wear Jamaican colors. And I even had a Jamaican flag on my, you know, on my shorts. And all I listened to was reggae for like five years. Like I immersed myself in it, um, learn about the reggae culture, you know, and it's harder for people to do that now if you're not of that culture, you know, like it's a little like wary, but back then it wasn't. So I was, I felt lucky that I was able to do that and to not think about it or be afraid of it because if I had an Irish friend, it was like, man, I learned so much about, you know, I drank Guinness hardcore for a minute and he taught me how to, you know, what's a proper pint, you know, and where to really get the good Guinness in New York city, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if those things are so easy anymore, you know, with people being, a little wary of that and i kind of in the spaces at least in our spaces we want to bring that back to make people feel safe enough to talk about the culture and share it and have other people enjoying it without feeling like you know maybe you're a culture vulture or uh, something like that you know what do you what do you think about in terms of like you're very involved in the community you bring the community into your restaurants like, was that always something you did when you opened up your first location, uh, Urban Vegan Kitchen there in Manhattan? Like, tell everyone where the address is also. Um, but when you started opening that restaurant, did you open it to the community like I've seen you do in your Queens location? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's well, on 41 Carmine Street in the West Village. It's, you know, right off the West 4th Street uh, train station. Um super blessed to be down in the village um honestly um so um yeah i mean you know it's always been a kind of like i said like when i worked at this juice bar and it was like you know so much about yoga and you know the world and everything like i just 
was lucky enough to be around and to be taught about, um, uh, you know, certain spiritual aspects about life, like, you know, practicing yoga. A, a lot of people practice Hatha yoga, you know, which is the poses and, you know, the things you see and people, you know, sculpt their body through it or whatever. But the reality is that the most practiced yoga in the world is karma yoga, which is simple. It's service. You serve humanity, right? So um, that's kind of my boss. Like at the time, that's what he did and that's what he taught us. And, you know, he taught us that service was like, you know, the most important thing in the world um in your life and that's kind of uh i guess that's that's stuck in my head and you know i don't i'm not gonna you know i'm not like a i'm wary of calling myself an activist you know um i love activists i love people that go out and do things and most mostly what i do is i hold space for people right like so that was always the intention was like, we're going to build a, a, you know, a dope restaurant where people feel, you know, safe and they're going to come, they're going to hang out, have a great time. But also if somebody wants to express something or they want to have a fundraiser or they want to hold space for something, you know, that maybe they can't hold somewhere else, like we're going to provide that space, you know, and we're not going to charge them an arm and a leg or anything like that. A lot of times people are very uh, surprised because I don't really, you know, I'm not trying to like, charge people too much you know it's a business i get it in new york it's tough but you know most of the times people trying to do things because i was that person remember i was in like I, I i had a theater company right so to put up a play to get actors to do all these things like you know you had to put up your own money you had to do a lot of you had to do a lot of work you know nobody ever gave me free space really so <laughs> you know i was like damn like that's really hard so we try our best to do that for people as much as we can um, so in a way it always was the Carmine street location. I inherited it. Um, like I said, I was very lucky. My old partner, she didn't want it anymore. So we took it over. Um, but it was, it's not great for that. That's why we opened Queens. Queens is a very open space. It's, uh, really geared more towards having events and things like that. But, you know, Carmine street, we do things as well. What's your favorite part about having a restaurant, say, in, in Manhattan or down there? I mean, and being involved in the middle of everything, and how do you involve the community? I mean, I love it. I mean, it's dope. It's the West Village. You know, it's hard. It's tough. It's, you know, 80-hour weeks. and But um, it's the city, man. I tell people, I mean, I get it, you know, like Manhattan's going through kind of a rough time right now, whatever, but it's still Manhattan. I've traveled a lot of places in the world, and Manhattan is Manhattan. New York City is New York City. Um, it, you know, you just get so many people there. So many people from all over the world travel there. So many people from all the boroughs they travel there. Like, people just love going downtown, you know. And it's so historic, and to be part of that, um, and also to bring something a little different to the community. To be honest with you, down there. Um, a lot of the spaces, especially when we opened eight years ago, like, you know, we were a little different. I, I'm not going to lie. Like our clientele <laughs> did not look like a lot of the clientele that was going around there at that time. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, you know, and I think a lot of those people appreciated having a spot like that down there because they everybody loves going downtown. But a lot of the spots weren't, let's say, for a certain part of the culture as much as you know now it's different but i'm talking about eight years ago 
Um, so, you know, it was dope. It was really great to be a part of that. And, you know, we, we showed, I think, you know, that there is space for that and, um, and our neighbors love us and we have a great time. Um, we do a lot of outreach to the community. We provide free vegan meals through certain, um, organizations, um, you know, so it's been really great to be a part of that, but mostly what I love to provide is information. Like I, like I tell people, I'm not here to turn you into a vegan or to get mad at you because you're not a vegan. I'm just here to provide, or we're here to provide information if you want it. If you're interested in it, come check it out. I, I can't tell you the amount of times it happened today. Like we had a busy brunch today. It was really nice. But, you know, somebody walked in. They loved the space. They heard the music. It's colorful. You know, it, it reminds them of the village, what it used to be, right? So they come in. They love it. They sit down. They don't even know what they're walking into. And they'll sit down. And then they'll be like, oh, it's vegan. Forget it. <laughs> and they'll walk out. I'm like, dude, like, you know, come on. Like, you already loving it. Like, why are you leaving just because, you know, you don't even know what the food is. You don't even, like, try it you know um so that's interesting to me you know um that's something that we kind of like you know have to battle against but uh but i'm here for it you know yeah i mean what like who have been your like who's your motivation like where do you find your motivation from like who's inspired you growing up like what are some of the things that have are humans you talk about trying to inspire other humans and get involved in your community what are some of the individuals or humans that have done that for you oh there's so many i mean um obviously my wife i mean she's amazing she really just holds it down like i tell people all the time i have ideas she really makes it happen you know like straight up um you know my kids obviously uh but there's so many i mean so many people like i mentioned like i've been super lucky now i mean now that i'm you know older and i really can look back on my life i i i've been so lucky with the people that have been like my bosses you know what i mean like the people i've worked for have been really 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 great people i've been super super lucky um I mean, we can go back to my grandma. My grandma was an entrepreneur. You know, when I was growing up with her in in in, in Ecuador, she had a business. She had her own business. Um, any way she could make a dollar, she'd do it. You know, like we had a nice, you know, house there, like on a corner, on the main corner. She sometimes she would make ice cream and like sell it out from the back, or. Uh, she started doing this business where, remember, this was pre-internet, this was pre-whatever, right? So not a lot of American things touched down there. It was a small town. It wasn't even a city. It was a small town in Ecuador. So you can imagine it was really rural, right? Um, but it was decent. It wasn't tiny, but it was small. But at one point, she started telling my mom, buy things from the dollar store up here send them down there and she started selling these quote-unquote american goods <laughs> right to the people in the town and they would come because awesome. you know these people these people so can't awesome. travel you yeah. know what i'm saying right so and she would keep books and she would you know you didn't have to pay her right away but every morning she would make phone calls like hey you owe me a dollar hey you owe me two. you know and i saw this like growing up like it was crazy because you know when i was like 
you know, in my teens or whatever, I never thought about owning a restaurant. I never thought about becoming a businessman. I wanted to be an artist. I was like, I'm making movies. I'm, I want to do TV. I want, you know. And then later on, I started being like, oh, wow, I kind of think about this naturally. And when I thought about it, I was like, fuck. I was like, my grandmother was, I was watching her doing this from day one. Like, if she was, you know, in her 30s now, who knows what she'd be doing? I mean, she had hustle, you know. And, you know, one of the rooms was just like people would come in and it was like a store. And they would come in and there would be all the products. It could be anything from shoes to, you know, anything you find at the dollar store, anything. And she would just bring them and she would sell them and you know, she always kept busy, you know, she was always trying to make something to do something. And that's something that I really, um, I really love. And I really love, uh, that, you know, people that make things and I love people that can take an idea and make it. That was one of the great things about doing theater, right? Like I would have an idea in my mind. And the first time I did a, uh, I put up a, uh, a, a show it was the craziest feeling to be like, man, like a year ago, I thought about this and now here's people sitting down watching it and there's all the actors acting it out and saying these lines and people are reacting and laughing or whatever they're doing. And that to me, that's like such an amazing thing to do, right? So that's almost what you do every day in a restaurant. You know, you write the script, which is the menu, right? You have the actors, which are, you know, the server, um, the tech people are the people in the kitchen, right? You got the lights, you got the music, you know, and people come in, they sit down and, and they have a show. So you're doing it every day. Like you're literally creating a show every day. Um, so, you know, uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of the thing. And like, to go back to your question, so I guess my grandma would be the first one, but you know, like I said, like I've had amazing bosses. I worked at this place called Antique Boutique when I was a kid. It was in the village. We sold um, vintage clothing, which back then was like super hot. I know it's still hot now, but back then it was like really like hot. And one of my bosses um, was the first person to sell diesel jeans in New York City. All right. And I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, because yeah. it was all vintage. But, but this, awesome, was gonna yeah. be, he, this was going to be the first time we actually sold like not you know, not used jeans. It was like new jeans. And he came in and whatever, and he was explaining what it was. And he was like, uh, you know, they're going to be a hundred dollars. And we're like, <laughs> you crazy. He's like, who's going to pay a hundred dollars for jeans? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And he was like, no, this is going to hit. He's like, this is going to hit. And he was right. And I was like, wow. And he ended up working for diesel later on. He opened up the first store, but now he still has a Brooklyn denim company. That's his company. His name is Frank, Frank Pizzurro. He's still in business. Amazing dude, like visionary, um, you know, great guy. I wish I would listen more when I worked for him. You know, I was a dumb kid, but, um, you know, and, uh, and again, my boss from, and then from there, I moved on to the juice bar. And again, another amazing boss who, um, I mean, I'll tell you his funny story. Uh, it's a kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it short. So his name is Shelly Sheldon Stein, right? Brooklyn Jew, uh, amazing dude. Um, and he was in real estate, made a lot of money in real estate, but he was nutty. He was really like a spiritual dude. And he's like, yo, I'm not happy, whatever. And he went to Guatemala. Like he took his family, took his money, quit the business. Like I'm going to Guatemala. He was like a hippie, right? 
he turned into a hippie, went down to Guatemala, he was down there hanging out. They were living down there, just him and his family, just living. And he was like, Dave, like I was just living down here. He's like, and he started, he would drink juice every day, right, down there, because it was like Guatemala, they would just have fresh juice. And he was like, man, like, I, I'm like, he's like, this would be good in New York. And he packed his family up, went to New York, found, like I said, 150 square foot space, just did it. Nobody was doing this. Remember, this was like before you had all these juice bars and everything, right? And I and he just opened up this little juice bar and he said it was the worst winter that New York had seen in a minute. He didn't make any money for seven months. He was like, I was going to close. It was over. And all of a sudden, it just started going. It just started going. And he was there for 12 years, I think, something like that, in this little tiny space. It's like It was very iconic. Like, I... Name like the rapper, name the movie star. I met them just off the top of my head. Uh, Russell Simmons went there every day. Uh, Q Tip was there all the time. Um, Roberto Bonini, he when when he was hot, he was acting, he was there. Claudia Schiffer, uh, Willem Dafoe, I got to know him very well there. Um, really great guy. Um, Mark Gastineau, who was one of my heroes, ended up going there once. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. It was like everybody went to this spot. And it was because this guy just created a, a good time. Like, you walked in there and you were like, man, this is, I don't know why, but I feel amazing. You know? And then he just let us be. That's literally what it was. Like, I don't, I'm not saying it was the best business model, but in terms of like, having a good time and creating a great space like he did it you know like he really got to the core of what people really like wanted to feel like you know um and it was called lucky's juice joint it was on houston and west broadway and yeah you know everybody wanted to know lucky you know lucky was like you know the man and he had his son and his son was an amazing guy too but he was more of the businessman you know so he kept the ship running and shelly was you know, more of the guy who, like, just, he was the energy. Like, he was like, let's make this one, you know. And he named, like, his favorite ball player was Jackie Robinson, right? So he named the Jackie Robinson. And that's where I got, you know, to learn about, like, just do what you love. You know, if you do what you love and you give people what you love, they will feel it, you know? Like, they will enjoy it because you enjoy it. And that's all he did. Whatever he liked, he just did it. Let's make this smoothie. All right, fuck it. Let's just try it. Let's, you know, uh, what kind of music you like? Oh, I right, play that. You know, do this. Do, you know, and everybody just had a great time. And, you know, I mean, there were days where we ran out of fruit. That's how many people were buying these smoothies. It was crazy. Like, the lines were, like, out the door. It was, it was really, really intense. It was, like, a really great place to work in. Um, so I would say he was definitely a huge inspiration what set them apart i mean what what would you say was that like magic flair because i mean it's like he's like juice but what else is it just the attitude why so many attracting so many people like do you obviously learn from him what was it that you i mean it's i know it sounds super simple but just have a good time be happy you know like be happy i think that was even i forgot exactly the tagline that was on the cups but it was like so it was called Lucky's Juice Joint, right? He called him, he was Lucky. That's who he was, Lucky. I was a nickname, Lucky. And it was like, uh, you know, something like, you know, be happy, go lucky or something was like the, 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 the motto. And he really lived it. It was, it really was that. Like it was, we all had a great time. Everybody that worked for him had a great time, you know? 
Um, and when we first opened Urban Vegan Kitchen, like that's what our staff was like. It was everybody was super into it. We'd all be into the music. We would all, so when people came in, they felt it. Um, and that's really what's, I, I, you know, like I said, it, it's just fruit. You know, you're putting fruit with juice. Like anybody can do that. Like truly, like I, that's what I say. Like sometimes people come and they're like, like I'll have some people working for me or something, and they're like, you know, something about somebody moving to another restaurant or whatever. They're like, oh, but they're gonna take the secrets. I'm like, what secret? It's food. There's no secrets. <laughs> like just, there's no recipe. You know what I'm saying? There's no secret recipe. People can figure this out. Yeah, I know What's you change this? one little ingredient and it becomes their own recipe. It's not food. Yeah, is not no. like it's not as crazy as we think it is. You can't pat yeah. patenting a recipe doesn't mean a lot, you know. No, no. It's also like I try to tell these people too. Like a lot of times we already make up our mind before we even taste the food. At least I'm somebody like that, and I think a lot of people that go into our space are like that. Like. They go in and they want to love it. So it's like, we got to really fuck it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like for them to not like it, we really got to do bad because a lot of times people walk in, they love the space. They love the music. They're like, damn, I really want to like love it here. So, you know, they're already there. Their stomach is already liking it. So um, I really do think, um, like I said, I know it sounds like too simple or whatever, but it's just try and have a good time man. Like try and have a good time try and you know put that energy out there that you know we're lucky i try to remind these guys i know you know the restaurant business can be tough but if i'm a server right now and i'm especially if i'm vegan i'm working in a vegan spot and i'm listening to dope music and i'm and most of my customers are really cool because they are right they're really cool and they you know they're coming to support i mean and i'm making money like damn they don't get that much better i'll never forget we had a manager at the juice bar right um, who was a manager before me. And he was kind of a grumpy guy a little bit or whatever. You know, so Shelly used to give him a hard time. And one time he told him, Chris, remember when I tell you this, you're going to look back on this one day, you're going to know that this was the best time you've ever had in your life. And this guy came back and I saw him like 10 or 15 years later and he was like, he was right. <laughs> that was like the best time of my life. And that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Sometimes we don't know what we have. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what a privilege it is to be able to work in a restaurant, especially a restaurant that you're just trying to have a good time. You know, it's not a stressful situation. We're doing good for the environment. We're trying to offer people healthy things. I mean, you know, to me, it don't get too much better, you know, unless, you know, you're obviously you're doing what you love. You make a ton of money and, you know. Hopefully this will help you get there, you know? Um, so, you know, that's, I think that's really what sets it apart. It, it really, it's culture, you know, it's called, how do you create a culture where people feel positive? You know, um, I think, you know, I agree. And I think it's just so unique. I think it's the people talk about lightning in a bottle or, or things like that. Like mm-hmm. it's catching it and knowing you have it. And it's one of those things that I think, happen with the juice bar for sure so yes correct Correct. how did you transition that into your new concept what did you learn from there that like if you could numb it or dumb it down i guess to um like four or five things what are like the real core values or that things from business that you brought with you into urban vegan kitchen um 
I mean, I really took a lot of the spiritual aspects of the business. Um, and, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, what we decided to do when we opened it, you know, we were, we always were like, hey, we're going to be very giving to charities and we're going to be very giving, especially to vegan causes. And we do that, you know, um, because we believe in karma and it comes back to you. Um like I said, music is a huge, huge part of what we do. Like I'm, you know, I'm very careful about the music that I play there. It has to be very specific. Uh, I make playlists. I really, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I have, um, yeah, I think in the past I have fired people for not playing the right music because I've worn it. And it's part of like, you know, you get a welcome packet. It's part of the packet. It's like, don't play any negative music or things that we deem negative. If you don't know what that is, ask me and I'll let you know what kind of music we play here. You know, because I'm a big believer in music and the energy of music and how it drives people. It can either drive us positive or it can drive us negative. Well, and I you agree know? with you 100% being positive individual and giving positivity to the world and to the legacies we build for generations is so important. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and uh, yeah, also um, each one teach one. Um, we're very much about education. It's huge uh, for us. Um, we really are uh, people that, um, you know, if you work for us, I try to, you know, make you understand, like, understand that we really need people that communicate with, with customers. This isn't just a restaurant. Like this is, um, we're trying to build more. We're trying to really be ambassadors of a culture. You know, like I said, you don't even need to be vegan, but you need to understand the vegan culture and why it's important and why we need to give out this message. You know, um, sometimes the non-vegan people that work for us are the best ambassador, ambassadors because they can really relate with the with people that are not fully vegan, and they can tell them, you know, what's good, what isn't, and also why it's important to be even eat vegan once or twice a week, you make a huge change, you know? So education is a big part of what we do. Um, and yeah, like I said, just being like, just uh, being a positive person. I know I keep going back to that, um, but it really is because once you, uh, you know, start practicing compassion and, um, you know, spreading love, it really, everything else kind of, you know, works itself out, let's say, right? Like if you really come from a place of compassion, then everything that you, every problem that comes to you gets resolved in that way. I'm not going to say I've been like that since day one. I would say when I first started the business, obviously I was new in the business. I was, you know, I got handed this debt. That's how I got the restaurant was, you know, it was in debt and, you know, uh, my old partner was like, hey, you know, you can take the debt on if that's what you want. And I took it on and it was a big debt. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of nerves there. It was the first time I owned my own business. I didn't really understand what it was when you have the lights on you and you got to pay bills, you know, 24-7, no matter what. Rain, snow, shine, it don't matter. The bills keep coming. Um, and it took me a long time to really you know, run the business in a compat in a fully compassionate way and in a way where I needed to understand, like, I need to keep it cool because everybody else is looking at me. And if I run around upset or I run around, 
you know, being mad at the world or being mad at people, being mad at the bills or mad at my landlord. So, so is the staff. And then no one's going to have a good time. Uh, and once that switched, uh, you know, everybody started having a better time and, and, you know, the business is still there, you know? So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, compassion is a big, uh, it's a big part of what we do, what we try to, we try to do. I love this. Um, so I don't want to give any spoilers away, but if you could like tell, a, if you could give anything to your community or relay a message for the entrepreneurs in your community or anyone who sort of, I mean, New York City is this place, but you know, what you're trying to do can far outreach that your message, what you're trying to do, the safe space. And we'll get into the second location on the next episode. But I just wanted to, um, next episode that we do together, but I just want to sort of anchor this. Like, what is it that, you know, you want to influence or could give to anyone or say to anyone in the community, the entrepreneurs out there that are like you? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, because there's a lot, but there's also like, I mean, I would say, you know, just do it. You know, like just uh, don't put any expectations, you know, um, you're not perfect don't listen too much to people that haven't done it because the ones that have most 99% of them will be compassionate towards you because they will understand the people that don't do not listen to them. I spent way too much time listening to people who never took a chance and they're the ones that really were, you know, Oh, don't do this. Or don't, why do you do that? Or why do you do this? You know? Um, Really seek out people, uh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, seek out somebody who's done it, who's opened their own business on their own. They will tell you. I tell people the best thing I could tell you if you want to open up a restaurant is what not to do. I did it all. Like I made all the mistakes. I really did. And, you know, understand that, you know, you're putting, you know, it, it doesn't stop. Like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, when you have your own business, it, you don't shut it off really uh, you know i'm learning how to take time up for myself and it's super important but especially when you're first building it just understand that um you know you're gonna be there a lot and you have to be there and you're growing it's like having a child you know um and yeah i would say that and you know life is short um the best thing i'll tell you about being an entrepreneur right now and owning my own restaurant is that i don't have a boss um not really i mean you know you could say that you know the bank is my boss <laughs> but um you know i get to play the music i want i get to eat the food that i want i get to um spread the message that i want and that's makes me happy so i'm willing to put the work in a lot of times i you know i think you get measured so much about by not how you handle the things you like to do but understanding that there's so much that you're not going to like to do that you have to do to grow this. Right. And I think the more you do that and the more you see like, Oh, I'm good. Like, even though I didn't like doing that, like I got through it, then you gain the strength. Right. Um, this is why I love sports this is why I love working out because a lot of times I don't want to work out. A lot of times I don't want to, but then I do it one, I feel better. And two, I stay healthy. So, you know, it's the same thing in business. It's like a lot of the things that I didn't like to do, 
now I look forward to doing them because I got better at it the more I did it. Um, and it's super easy to like throw your hands up and just be like, I'm done. I give up. I've done it a lot. Thank God I have my wife. She's way more of a warrior than me. She like pushes through everything and it's like, we're going to be good. And she figures it out. And, um, you know, I guess that's another thing, right? Like have a great team, um, really look for people that are, um, you know, uh, good at what they do and let them do it. Um, I'll tell you right now, I, I don't, I rarely touch the menu, you know, any chef that I've had, uh, and we've had a couple, I just say, yo, what do you like to do? Cool. Let's do that. And I let the people speak. You know, I really do. I, I'm, I love, like I said before, I love people that try stuff. So you, there's been like line cooks that are like, yo, I have this idea. I'm like, let's put it out. If people like it, they like, it. I mean, you're in New York. People will tell you the truth. <laughs> They'll be like, nah, this ain't it. You know? Or they'll be like, this is amazing. Um, and, you know, we're starting to learn. It's like, you know, there's different tiers of it. I really respect chefs that do amazing, unique things and do crazy foods and all these ingredients. That stuff is amazing. It really is. And New York is a great place for that or whatever. We're just people in our restaurants. We just make food that make people feel good and are comfortable, whatever. And, and, and are familiar, right? So we're just going for like sauces and tastes. And especially since we're vegan, we try to recreate these, these dishes that are like meat dishes, right? And we're trying to show people like you don't need the meat to really, you know, uh, experience it. So a lot of our guys, like, you know, they come from Mexico or, you know, or, or Africa and they'll get excited because, you know, they're like, oh, I could just make the dressing and this is how we make it vegan. And we put the seitan and it's like the meat and, you know, and then they bring it out and these people experience it and they love it. And then they feel like, wow, like I did this. Like, I don't have to be some, you know, big chef to like bring this out to the world. Um, so that's something we love to do as well. And I guess that's my, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's my, would be advice to like entrepreneurs is, is like, don't try to do it all. Find people that, you know, um, want to be creative and they want to help you in your brand. Like that's a blessing, right? So let them, you know, let them do it. You know, a lot of times I find a lot of sometimes some restaurant owners that I've known <coughs> try to mess in things that they don't know. Like I, I'm not a chef. I don't even make that much food. I have ideas, but <coughs> I'm not back there making it. So I let those dudes do it. You know, I let them do it. So I think that's why we've kept in this day and age, you know, we have guys that worked for us 10, 12 years, you know, and I'm, and I'm going back to before we even owned the restaurant, when I was running my old partner's vegan restaurant, they came with us and they're still there. Um, so we're, uh, that's something that I'm pretty proud of, you know, um, actually one of the guys that we have, uh, he started as a dishwasher and now he's, you know, a partner in our new like cloud kitchen in the Bronx. You know, um, and he's a great dude, amazing worker. And he just, he learned, he learned how to cook. He learned our recipes. He perfected that. And now he's making baked goods and he's creating his own things and he's helping us make money. He's making money. And pretty soon he'll probably have two or three cloud kitchens, you know? <laughs> so, you know, um, I love the cloud kitchen thing. So. And I want to get into that the next episode. I love what you're doing there yeah. as well. Keep going. 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's okay. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, uh, I think that that's what it is. I mean, I would just suggest to people, like, don't get down on it. Just keep going. Don't let people, you know, um, you know, stop you. And don't let their, uh, you know, um, their fear go into you. But seek people that have done it. That's important, you know. Sometimes we're like, nah, I'm not going to let people scare me. But we also don't look for other people that can help us, right? So like, I, like I've been saying, I've been so lucky to have come across so many great um, business owners that I've worked for. And I took a lot from each one. Um, and sometimes I just think back on, you know, what would they do or how would they handle this? And a lot of it, honestly, is just controlling stress and fear. Controlling stress and fear is a big, big thing, I think, when you're an entrepreneur. Um, I know a lot of these huge moguls, they do meditation, they do yoga that, you know, so there's something to it. Like, you know, we, you know, a lot of people hate these guys or whatever. And I understand, but it's also like, they also are successful. So there's certain things they're doing that are, you know, that you should probably follow. Right. So meditation, taking care of your body, um, that will help you take care of your mind. And if you take care of your mind, you will know how to answer the call when it comes. A lot of the issues in restaurants are of the moment. That's what a lot of people don't understand, right? Like people not in the restaurant business, they don't understand that. Like a lot of it happens in the heat of the moment. Oh, the printer's out. Damn, there's 50 people in here. How do we get these tickets to the kitchen now? You know, it's like a Saturday, the printer isn't working. What do we do? You know, um, oh, this. Uh, two people called out. It's Friday night. Damn, what do we do? <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, the two chefs are fighting. Whatever it is, these things happen in the moment. So, you know, you have to be able. They all look to you. You have to be able to handle these things um, calmly and knowing that you know you're going to get through it. I mean, if there's one lesson I learned in the restaurant business, honestly, is that you get through it. You do. You oh, it never. Sometimes it seems like you won't get through the night. You always get through it. The only thing that'll stop you is like the lights going out, and that's happened to us. Literally, like the lights go out, and you go and you get candles and you put them out, and you know what? People love it. Like they do. I remember this one time, like the lights went out. It was like a Friday. It was crazy. It was like a Friday, and it was like, what do we do? And it was like, you know what? We got some candles. Let's get some candles. Put them out. You know and everybody stayed everybody hung out they stayed they ate we got the food out you know so um these are the lessons that i've learned you know and i think they can go into any business you know you're always going to have problems you're always going to have um issues come up uh, but how you handle those issues that's how you know dictates the success of yourself and of the business and i think the more you do it and the more you put yourself in the fire the better you get at it right so i didn't open up the second restaurant until I was in six, seven years because I wasn't ready, you know, like I was, I was like, I, you know, I have to really feel ready. So now we were ready, you know? Um, and that's how we did it. Uh, you know, I'm more able to just, like I said, stay calm. I, I can't stress that enough. I really can't like, you know, just, just don't stress. 
you know, just try your best to enjoy it and uh, and believe in it, you know. I agree with you. I think it's it's tough to do in the moment, and I think we often lose it or as especially as we grow or life gets stressful or we lose track of things or life changes or covid whatever it was mm-hmm. it, be- it came it has become hard to remain calm and have composure in those situations so i agree with you i think focusing on that especially as your business grow because the on- the stress only gets larger and the number of humans involved in it only, only gets bigger so um 110 yes that's right. So I'm going to ask you about your favorite hip hop artists, but I'm going to wait until we get into the next episode. So that's going to be our cliffhanger to jump right into on the next one. <laughs> so I think that's important. And everyone out there listening, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you for sharing the episodes. Thank you for the high reviews, like the five stars, the comments when you write comments, all that stuff helps the episodes helps the entrepreneurs who are on the episode gets their voice out there helps their message help other entrepreneurs or people who may be interested in being an entrepreneur particularly in the food space uh beverage space or nutrition space so thank you guys for doing that i love you guys again if you want to find us you can find us on spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcast or on instagram at justin bizarro or at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, you can DM me on there. And there's also a phone number on at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can uh, send a text message if you want to be on the episode. Uh, David, will you again tell everyone where they can find all of your locations on Instagram? And uh, will you give all the addresses of all your locations as we wrap it up? Yes. Uh, well, we have Urban Vegan Kitchen, which is at, at Urban Vegan Kitchen uh, uh, Instagram. And also Facebook um, at Urban Vegan Roots, um, which is uh, our restaurant in Astoria, and at UV UVVX UVKBX at UVKBX, which is our Cloud Kitchen in the Bronx. Our address in Manhattan is 41 Carmine Street, which is in the West Village. Um, Queens location is 34-47. Uh, 31st Street, which is in Astoria, and the Bronx is uh, 238 Hoffman Street. Um, that's just a pickup and uh, and to go and delivery. That's a ghost kitchen. But uh, yeah, those are all our locations. Find us on Instagram. Um, pretty simple. It's just the name of the restaurant. And the, our website is also urbanvegankitchen.com. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the food. I love the food in your restaurants. We're going to talk about that, all the stuff I ate there and going to come back and eat more of when we get in the next (laughs) one as well. So, and again, thank you for your time and thank you again for everyone listening in and we're out. Thank you.